Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Visual Politic Podcast. My name is Simon. I am your host. I'm also the host on our YouTube channel, which you should definitely check out if you, for some reason, enjoy this podcast but are unaware of that. Go over to YouTube, search Visual Politic. You will find us. In fact, this was originally a video on YouTube. It was released on the 19th of May, 2019. It's called Italy, Far Right and Far Left Together in a Coalition Government. Obviously, this happened a few months ago. It's still lots to learn today uh, from this episode. So please listen, and I hope you enjoyed it. I'm going to jump in with any explanations that are needed, like explaining any graphs, stuff like that. Also, please do consider leaving us a review if you want to over on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get this podcast. That would be great. And let's get into it. You might think this is Austria or Switzerland, but what if I told you this is Italy? But... Listen carefully. If I told you that, you'd expect the people there to be speaking Italian, right? Well, then you'd be wrong. The main spoken language here is German. And of course, this is South Tyrol. In fact, we think that Italian is the main language spoken in Italy, but no. Italy is full of dialects and languages that are hardly understandable from one another. Someone from Veneto in the north could hardly understand somebody from Sicily in the south. Yes, Italy is a country of contrasts, and the same goes for their politics. Imagine a far-right party forming a coalition with a liberal populist one? Could you imagine a Trump-like Republican allying with someone who advocates for a basic income for the poor? Well, this is pretty much what has happened in Italy. So how is it possible for the right and the left to join forces to form a government that can run the country? Well, in this video, we're going to tell you that story. Italy is a country of contradictions. On the one hand, it's the country surrounding the Vatican, and it maintains respect for its Catholic traditions. But on the other hand, they had Silvio Berlusconi, a man famous for his orgies, as the Prime Minister for many years. On one hand, they are one of the most overregulated countries in Europe, with red tape all over the place. On the other hand, the black market here is bigger than almost anywhere else in Europe. If that doesn't sound like enough contradictions to you, then check this out. Italy's government is now a coalition of a far right-wing party and a far left-wing one. Now, it's true the Five Star Movement isn't exactly a far left political party, at least not in the Ocasio-Cortez kind of way, but what do you call a party that advocates for things like basic income for the poor or reducing the salaries of politicians so they're more like the working class. And the same goes for the far right wing. Many of you might say that the Liga Party is not as extreme as other alt-right politicians, but what do you call an anti-immigration, ultra-nationalist party then? The funniest thing about this party is that they began as a secessionist movement. In fact, originally Liga was called Liga Nord, which means the Northern League, and they wanted Italy to be split into two different countries. Now, however, they've changed their minds and present as the paragons of Italian pride. But hold on a second, because you might now be wondering, <laughs> why do we even care? care about this. Well, first of all, that's because of Italy's size. Italy has the third biggest economy in the Eurozone and suffers from the worst recession. 
if they fall, Europe might fall too. And if Europe falls, the rest of the world may fall along with it. But also, the case of a coalition of opposite extremes can serve as a cautionary tale for many other countries. Something similar happens in Greece, for instance, when the leftist Syriza formed a coalition with the right-wing Anil, or even the Czech Republic, where the Communist Party shares an office with a xenophobic group and a liberal one. So definitely, yes, Italy helps us understand how the political spectrum is changing elsewhere. So now the question is, how is it even possible that the right and the left could merge together? Can this strange formula succeed in order to bring the country out of its collapse? Well, today we're going to answer all of these questions, but before we do, let's take a look back at the history. Lega Nord to just Lega. As we said before, there are a lot of different languages in Italy, approximately 34 distinct dialects, in fact. But the difference is, they don't stop there. You can also tell which region is which when it comes to economics. Southern Italy has an unemployment rate close to 20%. In places like Sicily, water shortages were a common thing until very recently. And most of the people, they work in agriculture. But Northern Italy is a totally different country. This is where brands like Ferrari and Lamborghini were born. Cities like Milan, they're famous worldwide for their fashion industry, their factories, and their high standard of living. Their unemployment rate is a third of that in the South, and their income would be double that of the Southerners. The big divide is what explains the birth of the Northern League Party in the 90s. As I said at the beginning of this video, the party was founded as a regionalist secessionist movement. The forerunner was Umberto Bossi. Originally, he wanted his own region. Lombardy, where Milan is, to become independent from the rest of Italy. But then one day he thought, well, why not unify several northern regionalist movements into one? This is how the biggest separatist movement in Italy was born. Originally, it was not meant to be a right or a left-wing party. In fact, its founders came from pretty much everywhere on the political spectrum. They had one goal and one goal only to split Italy in two. Basically, the country they wanted to create was called Padania, and it comprised of all the northern Italian regions. As with other separatist movements, they claimed several cultural differences. But unlike with Scottish separatism, the main reason for this self-determination movement was money. Basically, Bossi claimed that Rome was stealing money from the richer regions to give to the poor, so therefore they'd be better off going off on their own. And believe me, when it comes to hating Italy, it was pretty straightforward. When I see the Italian flag, I feel like shit. I use the green, white, and red to clean my ass. Umberto Bossi. Bossi went as far as declaring Padania independent from Italy in 1996. Independenza e sovranità della Padania. But look, as separatist as they might be, this Northern League was still an Italian party. This means they had to play by the Italian rules and run for the Italian parliament. And in order to expand their national influence, they became one of the most loyal allies of Berlusconi. This helped them get very good results because their voters could see that, despite being a regional party, the Northern League had enough power to influence politics and bring lots of perks to the regions that they represented. Wake up, Padania. 
with the Northern League against the Thieves of Rome. But as influential as they could be, they could only get up to 8.3% of the vote. This meant that they were still a small political party. But things changed in 2012. That was the year when Umberto Bossi suffered a stroke and had to leave the party. His successor was the man here, Matteo Salvini. A radical change in mind for the party. First of all, he changed the name, so it went from Northern League to just League. And that kind of rebranding, it means one thing, and that's that the party was evolving. The electoral program, it was not focused on the separation of the North from the South anymore. Finally, the enemy, it wasn't Rome, but rather it was the immigrants. From illjournal.it more immigrants mean more criminals. Salvini is working on a repatriation plan. And so what happens to that anti-Italian feeling? Aren't they still the biggest enemy of the Padanians? Well, if you think a party can't change its mind from one day to the other, well, think again. Raise your head, Italy. I'm proud of being Italian. We are the best country in the world. We just need to have a little bit of work and a little less taxes. Matteo Salvini. And boom, there you go. Now the former Northern League could apply to all Italian voters, both Southern and Northern. This means a bigger voting market and better results. And I know what you might be thinking right now. Can anybody take a party that can change its core ideology virtually overnight seriously? And the answer was, oh yes. From ENF. Vega victory at Italian elections. The times, they are a changing. But if this doesn't seem crazy enough to you, let's take a look at the other player in this game, the Italian populist left. Joke. It's the year 2009, and Italy is dealing with a big crisis. The European Union wants budget cuts, and Berlusconi and his government, they're in dire straits. That's the fertile grounds on which the Five Stars movement was founded. During those years, a famous comedian, Beppe Grillo, started a platform. He had little to no idea how big his blog and his movement were about to become. Perhaps the most interesting moment of the movement's developing phase was the 2007 Vafanculo Day in Bologna. Literally, this means fuck off day. It was a huge event meant to collect signatures to change the then electoral law. They wanted to ban people convicted of crimes from running for parliamentary election. But the real opportunity for Beppe Grillo came some years later. The Italian economy was still struggling. More and more citizens couldn't make ends meet, and this is when Italy got a fully technocratic president, Mario Monti. A technocrat is somebody who claims not to have any specific ideology, just tries to solve problems and manage politics based on expertise and analysis. But to many Italians, this seemed to be an imposition from the European Union, who wanted more and more budget cuts and more austerity. So this anger is what gave momentum to Beppe Grillo and his Five Star Movement. The movement started winning and placing its members in regional and local cabinets. This momentum gave them a chance to run in the 2013 general election, where they were the second most popular party after the Democratic Party, surpassing everyone's expectations. They gained more than 8 million votes, which is a pretty huge number for a brand new party. From R.IT, the election's results are in. Huge victory for the Five Star Movement. 
the web's euphoria for the first party in the Chamber of Deputies. The movement started an anti-establishment force, and therefore, at the beginning, it didn't seem to have a very detail-oriented plan. But all the work, it paid off, and all those votes gave them the push they needed. It was time for a detailed plan. It was time to become more structured. Their first huge win meant even more wind under the movement's wings. The movement's ideology became clearer, direct democracy as an evolution of representative democracy. The idea that citizens would no longer delegate their power to parties was at the base of Rousseau, an online voting platform. Through Rousseau, the registered users of M5S discuss, approve, or reject legislative proposals. For example, the choice to support the abolition of a law against immigrants was taken online by the movement's members, even if the final decision was against Grio's own opinion. From Correa de la Serra. Grillo, the M5S registered voters say no to making illegal immigration a criminal offense. Another chapter of the party's life began when Luigi Di Maio came into power in 2017. In 2018, he became the Deputy Prime Minister of Italy and Minister of Economic Development, Labor, and Social Policies. The improbable ascent of a 31-year-old college dropout and former soccer stadium usher is really a measure of the country's turbulent political landscape. And so, on one hand, we have a seasoned right-wing politician, and on the other hand, we have a 31-year-old freshman. And they were tied together in an unlikely marriage by that 2018 election. Open marriage. Italy is infamous for having weaker-than-usual political alliances and parties. Since the country was proclaimed a republic in 1946, it has had 29 prime ministers with an average government length of just 2.5 years. Every election is a brand new start for everyone. The last big change came in 2018 when a new government was established after a very complicated post-election period. The new government is an alliance, as we said, between the anti-establishment Five Stars movement and the far-right league. The populist wave split Italy in half. The South voted for the Five Star Movement and the North voted for the Lega. But both sides expressed a vote of protest against the more traditional parties like the Democratic Party. These new numbers show a real shift in Italy's electoral geography. The success of the two most anti-establishment forces is mostly due to economic uncertainty. The outsiders have become the mainstream. Immediately after the elections, the Five Star Movement, the party that got the most votes, needed to find a coalition party. The choice was the Liga. From the BBC. Italy election. Populist Five Star and League to vie for power. But this marriage it wasn't an easy one. It took 10 weeks to reach an agreement. The two parties, they were adversaries before the election. But at the same time, they became the largest groups able to muster a majority in both houses. And so the Five Star brought to the table 32% and the League brought 17. And with that, thus began the new government. We're now a few months in, and the two deputy prime ministers are doing as much as possible to fulfill the promises they made to their voters. Salvini has tried to crack down on immigration and to pass a flat rate tax of 15% for companies and individuals, which experts would say would cut tax revenues by 80 billion euros per year. De Maio is trying to make a huge basic income reform happen. It's universal income for the poor that would cost an estimated 17 billion euros per year. The two leaders, they're basically in an open marriage. They're together, but they're still looking around for partners. Both both parties are still trying to get the biggest amount of political capital possible for the next election cycle. But pleasing an electorate is in itself a very difficult feat to accomplish, even without further obstacles. From The Guardian. 
but Dolce Vita slips away again as Italy tumbles back into recession. The country is now in a recession, just as the Italian deputy prime minister stated that Italy was on the cusp of an economic miracle. In 2018, the GDP decreased by 0.2%. This is the third recession in 10 years, but the Italian PM says not to worry. He stated that a recession is determined by the European economic cycle, whatever that means. While politicians are playing the blame it on the people who were there before card, many Italians are extremely worried about how this recession could have an impact on their lives for years to come. Italy is the second largest debt in the euro area after Greece, but its economy is eight times larger, and a crisis this big could severely cripple. Eurozone. So now the question is, is it possible that we'll see a similar alliance in other countries? Maybe this alliance can save the country from further crisis, or maybe it's going to make things worse. So I really hope you enjoyed that episode of the podcast. This was originally a video that aired on our YouTube channel. If you'd like to get stuff right up to date as it comes out, please do search Visual Politic. That's politic with a K, one word, in YouTube, and you will catch all of our videos. Also, if you like this, please do consider leaving us a review wherever you get your podcast. Podcasts. We really do appreciate it. And as always, I'll see you next time.